Welcome to The Juice, a burst of refreshing knowledge brought to you by Educational Technology. So welcome back, everybody, to our second episode of The Juice. Uh, we'd like to actually, this time, try to solve some of the issues and problems that we brought up last time using Nearpod. So we're going to get into some of those features and uh, actually how to set up those uh, lessons for us in Nearpod. First, we're, I've got a question. Oh, yeah? What's that, Apple? Since this is the juice, how do you prefer your juice, with or without pulp? With or without pulp? That's a great question, Mike. I was going to go with uh, definitely with pulp. With pulp. You like the, the little slimy things floating through the... So you can tell I do not like <laughs> pulp. <laughs> I like my juice without pulp. It gives it a little, a little sustenance, you know? Experience, I would say, yeah. I don't yeah. know about sustenance. Maybe like, experience. Like I like, to chew. I like to chew my, my drinks. <laughs> you like to chew your drinks. <laughs> cool. Yeah, no. I'm into like enjoying just the juice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if, you're, if I need pulp, I'll eat an orange. <laughs> uh, yeah. I'm a no pulp as well. No right. pulp? I guess I'm the outcast. So yeah, then we're going to go into different types of uh, orange juice at some point as well. Sure, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and talk about the history of that. So all of you out there will ask you the question as well. What's your What's your favorite way to prefer juice, pulp or no pulp? And feel free to respond to us in team our pulp? comment. <laughs> team pulp, yeah. Well, team pulp. Are you going with team, Mike for team, team just pulp? Juice. Or team, team just pulp. juice? Team pulp. Are you JJ or PJ? <laughs> pulp juice. Pulpy juice. <laughs> Which is good. <laughs> Sorry, folks, a little off track there because Apple decided that we need to discuss how to talk about our pulp. It's important. It's very important. <laughs> very important to know which team you're on. But today we're going to go through all the features and, and pieces to Nearpod to help us solve some of those problems in the classroom. I think one of the things that we really know that teachers have a limited uh, amount of is time and trying to make sure that whatever they have to do, they have to get done uh, rapidly and quickly because it's got to be very efficient in the classroom. So we're going to talk a little bit about, actually, I think we're talking about it right now, like how do you access your lessons? And then also what's the best way to get um, uh, access to the information and the support that's in the district? And then also how to create the lessons and the best way to, to start getting a hold of some ready-made lessons. So turning it over to you guys. What is the best way for a teacher to access Nearpod itself? Well, first thing you want to do is go straight to your dashboard. Like the MyOUSD dashboard? MyOUSD dashboard. That, that's going to get you everywhere. True, very true. And then logging in, it should be authenticating, like using your email address. Uh, single sign-on, right? Yeah, single sign-on. And uh, from there, you go to the library, and you'll see ready-made lessons from Nearpod or even our district. Yeah, so any lesson in any subject? Yeah. Anywhere? Nice. Foreign language. Math. Science. Language Social arts. studies. Mm-hmm. History. It does have a nice oh. little filtering uh, issue. Uh, filtering uh, feature. Uh, feature. Thank you. Yeah, database. <laughs> Something where you can actually narrow it down by either subject matter, grade level, or even standard, right? You can narrow it down by the, by the state standards. The answer is yes, Mike. Of course. That's yeah, there you go. All right. Going through Nearpod right now. <laughs> of course. And then one of the things that actually was brought up too is, is some people were concerned about how long it takes to make a lesson from scratch inside of, of Nearpod itself. And some people have found um, a faster workaround for that. Can mm-hmm. anybody, yeah. anybody so remember what that was? That would be in like Google Slides. So at the top of Google Slides, you'll see uh, tools and add-ons. You'll see an add-on for... Uh, Nearpod. Very good. And then what does basically so what you're saying then is we build our our Google slide, mm-hmm. uh, slide deck, whatever lesson it is, or even if we have a PowerPoint, we can import it into Google Slides, pull it in there, and then use the add-on. Yeah, and so you then, can you can then add in different activities or 
different, uh, you know, ways to right. have students interact with the lesson. Nice. Directly so, into your slides. Yeah, so nice. Yeah, I'm sure many of our teachers have, you know, countless Google Slides or even PowerPoint, and <laughs> those will uh, integrate very nicely. So you don't have to recreate anything. Nice. But Same. you can enhance your Google Slides by using that add-on right. that we'll talk more about. And then, yeah, now actually getting, since we know we can create lessons rapidly, now we can start talking about kind of some of the uh, problem areas that we, we talked about, which is how do you formatively assess mm -hmm. uh, your class? You're, getting, you're going through your lesson. You're not sure if they're understanding the concept, the ideas. So how do we quickly assess the, whether or not they're gathering that information? Um, am I on the mark with, like, formative assessment? Is that how we're going to kind of define that? Yeah. Uh, there are lots of ways to formatively assess students through Nearpod, uh, one of which is time to climb it's kind of like kahoot or when you gamify a lesson and you want to see that you're throwing out quiz questions and the kids race to answer them and uh, they can literally see their little avatar climbing up a mountain so that's why it's called time to climb and with every question they answer correctly they climb up and they can pass up their classmates and depending on uh the points that they earn were your kids competitive in your class that they would like to compete against each other oh. Competitive students. <laughs> what <laughs> is that? Yeah, really. <laughs> Games in general. So, uh, so how does it tie into formative assessment? Do you get anything at the end of the game? Do the kids know? Does what? What? Yeah, it I mean, students get immediate feedback on uh, how they're doing, and um, they can also see the the correct answer as they're going along. So, it's a good way to assess the class and kids to get a gauge for where their under level of understanding is based on the topic. Nice, very nice. So very simple ones you can put in place. It's almost immediate. All you have to do is there's ready-made ones, correct? And then there's also an ability to, to add in your own mm -hmm, questions mm -hmm. off of there. Nice, very nice. And then what are some other ways we can formatively assess? There's a whole bunch of activities, and we thought we'd just cover a few here. Um, so like filling in the blank, that's a pretty simple one, just how the students fill in the blanks and see if they're getting the sentences correct, nouns, pronouns, anything like that. Can I be think used. that'd be a, yeah, a great one for uh, your vocabulary, using uh, wonders word or wonders uh, materials. Mm -hmm. And and that fill in the blank is like a drag and drop. That's yep, very true. So you can actually see you can actually watch the kids while you're in your pods, see how they're doing, or if they're doing it independently, yeah, you get the results at the end. Uh, what about draw it? How does draw it work? Uh, it's you. You could put a task like a question or a task, and have them literally draw and explain their thinking through drawing. So almost like a qualitative way to gather information? Yeah, so if they were to create a diagram or, or the life cycle of a butterfly or or something like that, um, they could label, draw arrows, um, and, and import images as well. Nice. And then if it's more of a, like a math problem, you could say write out the math equation. You could see it. Okay. See their work, see their thinking. Nice. Yeah. And then even though you know, laptops might be a little bit more difficult with it, you know, our TK through second grade have those iPads, and those would work wonders oh yeah well, across yeah well, uh, as you're drawing because it is kind of a touch screen um well so i was gonna ask off of uh draw it and then there's we have a few other items here i think one that we skipped over was algebra tiles that's a new feature that just came out recently you can actually kind of show the students how you can balance out an equation so it's a way to actually say okay i want you to balance this equation you can watch how the kids are thinking and moving things around you can demonstrate it first and then have the students actually drag and drop different uh, features. So if you have two blocks minus two blocks, what does that equal to in, in a, an algebraic question or 2x minus two two blocks? How does that work out? So another way to do that. 
Uh, we have polls. Polls are often easy to ways to formally assess. You just ask a question and see where they're at, kind of get a feel. Yeah, those are quick the on, on the fly. Yep. Mm -hmm. And the nice thing is, don't doesn't Nearpod give you uh, give you reports? Yeah. At the end. Right. I hear it does. I hear. Matter of fact, you're correct, Mike. Um, yes, and I think that all those reports, even with draw it and the polls and all those, so you'll have qualitative types of information that you're getting. So if you're asking how they're feeling or if you're just saying, what do you think? And then also, what is the correct answer? You'll have ways to actually analyze and gather all that information. Right. You can you can even implement um, or incorporate actual quizzes on Nearpod. So you could make a multiple choice um, and, and it'll grade it automatically for you once you imp implement and put it into the Nearpod lesson. Right. And if you're a fan of like uh, Edpuzzle and those types of uh, processes, Nearpod has a solution as well. So now the kids don't have to go to a whole new area. You can actually embed it into the Nearpod, which is an interactive video. They go through the video, they answer in questions, and now you're actually getting results off of whether or not they're understanding what's going on in the video as well. So we've got a process there. Oh, for sure. Uh, you're anything you're else? You're telling me that Nearpod has quite a few uh, bit of features that teachers can use. Just, and that's just informative assessment, though, the ways you can use it that mm -hmm. way for sure as well. Um, any other last-minute items on formative assessment that we wanted to cover? I mean, there are so many ways you can formatively assess through all the tools, just depending on how you use it. And I think in order to gather those formative assessments or to actually add them in, again, Google Slides, put the add-on in there, and then it just starts to list out all those activities, mm -hmm. and you can add them in and start um, putting them in front of the kids and send the link to the students. But not only is it immediate feedback for the students, but it's also immediate feedback for the teachers. So, I mean, that is the definition of formative assessment, that you can guide your lesson depending on your results. Right. Which is exactly why we assess, correct? Well, with that being said, now that we've got a ways to assess our kids, which they're probably thrilled about, thank you very much for telling me I'm right or wrong, how do we actually engage them so they actually want to take the assessments, they actually want to be a part of this? What are some of the features we can put in place? And I think sometimes when we talk about engagement, we often think, like, it's fun and exciting. It's something the kids can uh, just play with. So often we talk about, like, games. But engagement often means that you've put in front of the child a problem, and then they're wrestling with that problem, and they don't give up on that problem. So it could be easy. It could be complicated. Um, so it's not the actual game that makes it engaging. It's actually how do you um, put that in front of the kid and then start to get them involved. How invested are they in it? Yeah, in the, in the problem that you're trying to put in front of them. And so th there's a couple things we, we thought um, Nearpod could do with regards to that. One of those being like a, like a live lesson. You're standing with, with the kids in front of the classroom and you're actually introducing a subject or you're culminating the subject mm -hmm. in some way, shape, or form. And now you can actually try to get them all involved in trying to solve the problem, either together or each contributing um, to the lesson. Yeah, uh, they can, the if they class. have shared devices, they can pair up and use the one one screen. Or and and teachers have the ability to control what's on their screen. Like everybody's on this slide at the same time. It's a great management tool and way to engage the kids. Very true. Very true. Seeing all that, and then I think um, also I noticed in Nearpod when you have the students on there, once they've logged in, all the names p uh, appear on the screen. You can do one or two things depending on your class. You can uh, take the names down so they can't see anybody's name. Yeah. Um, but also if the names are up and you're not broadcasting to the front of the class, you can monitor on your computer whether or not they're actually in the lesson. So then you can keep calling them back in. So you have kind of like a proximity um, evaluation for the students too where you can say, hey, I see that you're not paying attention. I need you to answer this question. Right. And, of course, at the same time, you're getting the results coming in too, so you can see that as well. Any ideas on uh, uh, other ways that you can actually student <laughs> you can engage the students? 
Uh, as we're going through now, we're looking more like at the activities and the different uh, features that it might have. So, how many of us are familiar with uh, VR and AR? Like, can I raise my hand? Of, yeah. <laughs> can they see if I raise my hand? What does that stand for? What's AR and VR? Well, we got virtual reality and augmented reality, but uh, what uh, Nearpod has to offer is field trips using the virtual reality. So, you know, if you can't uh, take your class to, I don't know, say Egypt, you can bring Egypt to your class, nice. and they can see those pyramids and other, you know, um, landmarks, famous, well-known, famous landmarks, to you know, get your kids excited about lesson that you've been teaching nice and then i think they also have like even just on a more local level like if you just want to take them on a college tour to get them excited about what does college look like what it would be like to go there monuments monuments mm -hmm. uh, historical landmarks yeah all those things which is kind of which is great um also what are some other videos i think like videos we have videos that the kids can watch yeah you can embed youtube videos into nearpod lessons um you can uh also like you were saying earlier throw in make them interactive by It'll pause the video at certain points that you choose and ask a question. You could do open-ended or multiple choice. I will say that's, that's one thing that I did not use enough of in my class is the use of videos. And we just know how, how engaged students can be when there's some other form of multimedia. Yeah, well, not only engagement, I remember listening to Hall Davidson at one point through Discovery, and he was talking about how much information can actually be uh, given through just an image. Mm -hmm. um, and he, I still remember it. It was a commercial of a bullet being shot through a master lock. And, like, he, he talked about, like, what kind of information are you getting now from this? Like, the lock never opened. The lock stayed locked. So now master lock has got you convinced that it will, like, withstand anything. So just that. And it was, like, a five-second video. Right. And all forms of media can do that. Um, even audio recordings, which is also a feature that Nearpod has. You can uh, embed audio recordings. So if you want to practice listening skills, which we all know. That's important. what we need. Yeah. <laughs> yes, to the whole district. We're yeah. in all sorts of modalities with this. And I think we've got like a whole bunch here. You can do web content. There's a slideshows you can put in there. So you can put a slideshow within your Nearpod out of further, like you're talking about more media. Right. You can put in there yeah. as well and audio recordings. Um, and then actually what they've added in for like a live lesson is brain break. So if your kids are getting tired of listening to you for any particular reason, nobody ever does that, right? What? Yeah. <laughs> they never did me. I was, they were always just constantly listening. Um, and brain with brain break, so it gives you a moment or two, kind of like a go noodle, that actually allows you to uh, take a break for a moment as well. I oh. think I think Nearpod has really stepped up their game in the you know when I first started using it. There's lots lots of um, features and updates. Nice. And then uh, once you've got the students like engaged, possibly with your presentation, you're pulling them all together. Um, there's ways that you may want to actually continue to have them be motivated. So we kind of, I think, engaged student motivation being something that they do maybe independently or you're giving them opportunities to work on their own. So we saw like self-paced lessons and maybe giving them choice. You can actually say, here's like five near pause, which ones interest you? And the students can go through those. And at the same time, it's still doing all these things that we just talked about gathering that that information is there anything else that you guys think that might motivate the students if you're building out a lesson for them to actually walk through it well i feel like the time to climb is a good way to motivate them and um including lessons that i mean there's a ton of lessons available so there are sel lessons um lessons that build on careers and exploration and yeah you name it, it, I feel like it's got it. 
Nice. One, one of my favorite things, and I was so happy to see that this was integrated into Nearpod, are the FET simulations, the P-H-E-T. Um, deals a lot with physics. And I remember years ago, it was a standalone website, and I would often show my students um, ways to transfer energy, and there's you know, lots of different um, aspects to physics on it. But now that it is embedded into Nearpod, it's just another way to motivate these students and to, you know, uh, further extend their their knowledge in a particular subject area. And I think this is going back to what Apple had mentioned, which is if you have media and you can and you can introduce media, different types of media in front of students in different ways, they actually you're going to actually hit more students and get the get them to understand the uh, information, the lesson that you're trying to get in front of them uh, more readily or easily. Uh, so that brings up like 3D imagery. If you can take something and you hold it in hand, that's probably the best thing. But how often do we get to hold uh, all those things in our hand? Uh, sometimes they talk about like, you know, uh, a brain. It's very difficult to hold a brain in your hand. So they can actually give you 3D renderings of a brain so you can see what that looks like when you talk about biology and talk about science. So those things are all able to be embedded inside of the lessons as well to keep your students motivated. Which I think leads us down to probably one of the most important things and probably the last thing we'll talk about today, which is feedback. Um, all these things, everything that we've done so far, other than like the motivational pieces, like when you're doing a 3D piece, you're not going to really get a whole lot of feedback from 3D, but you can ask questions uh, afterwards. But the FET simulations will give the kids feedback. All the reports that are coming in from all the activities that we talked about will give you feedback as well. Um, and then there's some other things that we, uh, I think, uh, could benefit teachers. I think you guys brought up about teachers in the class itself. Yeah, um, in in class during a lesson, you can use a lot of the written, re open-ended written responses as an opportunity for a class discussion. So, uh, you'll—it's a good opportunity for everyone to interact with uh, a, a piece of text or uh, something that a student wrote, or uh, just immediate feedback as a whole, and a good talking point with your kids. Very nice. Any, any ideas from you, Mr. Higgins? I just think it, you know, creates a, a good class culture as well um, when your classmates are interacting with each other and uh, you build that, that solid foundation in your class. Yeah, building that community, I agree. And, um, you know, working on those, there are, there are collaborate boards and they can like each other or agree with each other on those collaborate boards and just brainstorm together as well. Right. And so uh, at this point, I think we were going to kind of culminate because we're getting close to our 20-minute mark. Um, I wanted to actually point out, and we'll, and we'll try to finish up maybe about biases on our next uh, episode here as we break it apart. Um, but I wanted to talk about maybe the ISTE-NET standards, if you haven't heard of those from ISTE, uh, the international. Um, I can't remember the whole acronym now, which is sitting somewhere up here for me. Um, ISTE basically is for international standards for the entire country. Uh, they do have uh, standards for the student, and we wanted to point out that like those include empowered learner, digital citizen, knowledge constructor, innovative designer, computational thinker, creative communicator, and global collaborator. If you take a lesson like Nearpod, or if you build a lesson in Nearpod and you push it out there, how many of these standards do you think are actually being hit when you start to interact with all those pieces? Any guesses, any pieces that you want to bring up? Absolutely, I'd say an empowered learner is a result of, of you're providing them like choice yeah oh, and having a say like feeling heard every student gets heard 
and has has a platform that's that's even playing ground for for every student every type of student so they can feel empowered to to be heard and to speak up and have their opinion well and even the fact if i get immediate feedback i know then what actions i need to take in order Mm -hmm. to be in order to improve myself if i never get that feedback or that feedback delayed Mm -hmm. takes a long time before i can actually empower myself to keep going I think another one is uh, the computational thinker. You know, they have to um, they have to figure out ways to solve these problems, and whether they go outside of a different source or they work in small groups, they're they're working together. They're trying to come up with a solution. Very true. And I would go. You know, most of the times when you're running lessons, depending on how you design that lesson, knowledge constructor is an important piece because you're asking them bits of information and say, okay, now feed it back to me. Tell me what you just heard or what is the answer to the question? And they're going to have to pull that information. So if you provide it in different ways, they can then actually pull it back either and draw it, drag and drop um, some sort of sentence uh, map that, to, that you've put together from as well. So just those are just three of the standards that we've talked about. And we know that could probably hit quite a few more on there as well. So if you guys stay tuned, uh, we'll introduce biases in the next episode, which will probably be pretty short. We'll do a short episode off of that one, and then we'll culminate with our final episode on a few more features that can support you. Don't forget to actually also put together, um, or not put together, but actually pay attention to our extra resources, because that's going to have some information for you, uh, such as the lessons and ways that you can actually engage a student and activate learning, because those are some of the links that we have in the podcast as well. And with that, we thank you again for listening. Hope you guys are enjoying your time out there in the summer and we'll see you all later on. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to The Juice. Don't forget to check out our further exploration information section. I'm Randy. I'm Apple. And I'm Mike. And thanks Thanks for for listening. listening.